Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast, the podcast that absolutely has no issues whatsoever dealing with back passes. My name is Chris and I'm your host for this week's show. And as usual, I've got Phil and Jez alongside me. Evening all. Evening. Right then, let's dive in, shall we? We're going to take a trip all the way back into Europe, first of all, before we come on to the domestic action, because there were two rather large fixtures last week. And um, Phil, I'm going to start with you and PSG. There's, there's a lot to dive into in this particular game. We'll obviously start with the fact that PSG uh, ran out 4-1 winners and uh, one Kylian Mbappe had a lovely old evening of it with a hat-trick with uh, Moise Ken with the third of four as well. Some really good performances. Um, we'll come on to Barcelona in a minute, but I want to give some praise to PSG, first of all. They they turned up. They played very, very well. Just everything about this performance was everything, if I'm completely honest, I wasn't 100% sure I would get. Um, I think that's probably fair to say. What, what did you make of it overall, watching this? What did you make of the performance and, and the, the tactical setup? Because it was a bit of a, a tweak from Pochettino, I noticed. It, it was a bit, I think, while, yes, we want to praise PSG, but the um, manner in which their opponents uh, faced the game provided the context in which they PSG grasped their chance to do well, if you see what I mean. Um, because... It was uh, something where they looked very in charge. And while Barcelona went ahead, um, which I think would probably have made a lot of fans very nervous, it was a penalty. It was quite harsh, I figured. Uh, but Messi scored that, but within four minutes, Mbappe had got the first of his, of his hat-trick. And then in the second half, it was 65, 70 and 85 minutes. It looked like that the... the uh, midfield, particularly of Barcelona, just couldn't run anymore. There was there were a lot of issues for them at the back and in midfield. And I know that in the past we've sometimes criticised PSG for, in a sense, trying to rely on the attack to the detriment of, in their case, the midfield, um, and it not quite working out. I think that's what Barcelona did in this game. Uh, particularly with the defence. I mean, Dest had an absolutely terrible evening. PK was only just back from injury. Longley's been in bad form recently, and Busquets doesn't really move around very much. And what was very impressive was that while Mbappe was having the time of his life running at Dest, uh, Keane and Florenzi were doing a very good job of making sure that Alba couldn't get forward. And that kind of cut off the Griezmann role as well. So... I think when you look at, um, I've got the between the posts um, uh, visual of, of the average positions for PSG, and I'll put that up in the in the article, you see a very lopsided situation because Mbappe was taking advantage, and so was Kazawa behind him, of that space that they were allowed, which left a huge gap behind Kazawa, who isn't the best defender at the best of times, but Dembele just couldn't capitalise on that either. He'd been told not to, or he was trying to help Dest. Whereas uh, Moise Ken and, and Florenzi were much further back because they were soaking up that pressure from the, the, the threat on the left side. So I think it was um, a very assured performance um, and a very, very 
kind of comprehensive win. And I'm not sure this time we're going to be talking about potential remontadas. Um, but it was also a smart, uh, a smart approach to uh, the game. And Verratti and Paredes in the middle were really the metronomes that kept that working and show why it is so important, even with that fabulous attack, to have a functioning midfield. So it was a great, a great uh, kind of result, which was then at the weekend put into somewhat sharp relief, which I'm sure we'll come on to later. Yes, yes, we certainly will come on to that uh, a little little later. Just a question I would I would put to you about this game, and I, I don't, again I don't want to take away from PSG because I do feel like in in the aftermath of this, basically there were two stories: how brilliant Mbappe was. Um, and how awful Barcelona were. And, and that's kind of where I want to go with this. How much of this do you put down to the fact that PSG have basically beaten a Barcelona side that is is a mess um, and has probably the best player that I've certainly ever seen um, on his knees right now? He just doesn't look like a player who's, you know, who's bothered, if I'm completely honest. How much of that is, is the case with this fixture and, and how much of it is just that PSG... For, for once, because it's not something we always associate with them, they were just ruthless and 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 took advantage and, and did everything professionally and sensibly, down from tactics to the goals, the whole performance. How much of it do you put down to PSG and how much do we have to say Barcelona are just are not Barcelona right now? I think you have to um, put it down to a little bit of both, but you really need to give PSG credit. I mean, that yes, the Barcelona team is is well past its best. There's there's two or three players there who are clearly only really there out of sentiment. Um, you mentioned Messi. I assume you're talking about him yeah. as one the best player you've ever seen and not Longley. Um, <laughs> I think um, I'm, I'm a little bit bored with everyone saying I feel so sorry for Messi playing for this team. I know he's carried them for a few years, but the fact is he is the best player in their team and they do look to him. And half the time it's him who's not bothering to break into a trot or anything. And possibly, I know it's a controversial thing to say, but maybe if he did a little bit more sort of team-based activities, the whole team would be in a slightly better state occasionally. But it's the fact is it's still... The Barcelona team that I think until this weekend had won like seven or eight in a row in La Liga. It's not a bad team. You know, Messi has been in good form in 2021. Griezmann has been in in much better form. The two of them are, are sort of forming um, a good relationship finally on the pitch. PK, you know, the Dest is really struggling. PK. It was a crazy decision to, to start him in such a match. So, yes, there are issues there. But the fact is, PSG have had those kind of... Firstly, PSG have beaten a fully sort of purring Barcelona in the past. And everyone forgets that the remontada was a remontada because PSG uh, slaughtered Barcelona in the first leg when, when the referee actually played like a referee and not one of Barcelona's players. Um, so they have shown they can do it before before and I think it was just a, a, a really good performance by PSG and the team that was put out as Phil said will will, will compare and contrast with um, this weekend and, and the match last night but it was a beautifully balanced team um, 
with all the the sort of the main players stepping up, Marquinhos was was immense in defence. Paredes carried on his really good recent form under Pochettino, um, and Keane, I think, was it was a clever move to to bring him in and, and sort of play him on the flank because he worked really hard and he gave Florenzi the support that he needed. Um, for, and Icardi missed a couple of chances, but but. I, th- I think is looking sharper than he has done for a while and, and you know, still with his with his running sort of pulled defenders away and gave Mbappe a little bit more space. And Verratti, I thought, was absolutely crucial. I think, you know, there are concerns that, that Neymar would be missed, but Verratti playing in that more advanced role than we used to, but also kind of slotting in on the left <clears throat> when PSG were out of possession, which meant that Mbappe wasn't, expected and didn't need to do his defensive shift which kept him fresher for 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 the breaks and then the Verratti and Mbappe combination I think people are right when they've been saying this week that you know there's all the fuss about the relationship between Neymar and Mbappe but actually the the probably the relationship that makes that team tick is Verratti and Mbappe when it's Neymar it's all like trying to to do all these little intricate flicks and one-twos and, and things like that. And again, as, as we've spoken about before, it's Mbappe trying to be Neymar. There's no shame in being the best in the world at um, you know running intelligently, timing your runs, out-sprinting people, showing strength, and then finishing well. That's what Mbappe is brilliant at. And that's what Verratti, Verratti can sort of provide the ammunition for for Mbappe to to kind of fire off those those kind of shots and performances, and so it was just great to see Mbappe sort of given the 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 service and the freedom and the space to to do what he does best. And you know, it was, it's it might be a case of him raising his game because it's you know he knew all eyes would be on him at the new camp against Messi but it did feel like at times like a throwback to to France Argentina um even the first goal which was kind of similar to to um Mbappe's first goal against Argentina um there were sort of similarities and I just I just think it was a really balanced performance all round where everyone played their role even Ferenzi and Kazawa I thought were were did did well defensively, but also provided support going forward. I think Pochettino set it up that Mbappe and Keane would sort of slip into the kind of inside channels and, and provide lots of room for Florenzi and Kazawa to overlap. And they both effectively set up goals. Um, just, er- yeah, everyone played their part, arguably except Gay, who mm. um, was was going to be sent off if he wasn't substituted. Yeah. I mean that that was the one thing. There was only one booking in it this match, which is kind of astounding. What mm. was interesting to me was obviously Verratti and Verratti and Paredes were the metronomes in midfield. They were both on a booking going into this game. So everybody was I, I know I was watching going Rawr. but it was Gay who got booked and was hooked at half time, which was the smartest move uh, possible. And Herrera came on to join that midfield. And it was in that second half when, you know, maybe as, you know, De Jong and Gonzalez tired that PSG were able to run rampant, but that really helped. 
Um, so yeah, he he was the lowest uh, scored by Lickeep. He got a five, which is still pretty good for someone who was taken off before he could be sent off. So I think <laughs> yeah. that probably tells you something about the, as Jess says, the overall balance of the team. It heard uh, to use his earlier work. Yeah, yeah, well said, and, and I do think. Well, I think I think it's unfair to to kind of just put it down to a, a poor Barcelona, and I know that's kind of the revisionist attitude since last night's match, but you, know, you can't sort of beat PSG with the same kind of sticks for the last three or four years, and then sort of. Um, and they do perform then. Have try, a great, yeah. Yeah. Oh, they 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 did themselves proud in that one. And then the issue is what happened yesterday is more the question than just assuming that Barcelona were shit and therefore you been know, a lot of defensive Neymar been a lot yeah. of defensive Neymar fans around since last Tuesday yeah. as well. Yeah, it, it, it's it yeah, it's a, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because I, I that was the weird thing. I think a lot of a lot of the pundits were sort of saying, you know, this is what they've done to to Barcelona without Neymar. I imagine what they'll do with him. And I sort of sat back in my uh, in my, my ivory tower. <laughs> just, yeah, I just sat back and, and thought, well, would have been a lot more bookings. Yeah, and and you don't get the Mbappe that we got the other night, and we'll come on to maybe his performance at the weekend instead, and that presents a a bigger argument. But that the the talk the day after was all about. Um, about um, Erling Braut Haaland and, and Mbappe being the next two big superstars, and so I think it's what, just he's the next Les Ferdinand, if you ask me. He's, he's, he's got to be the next Marcus Rashford first, Jess. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's not get ahead of ourselves. But uh, yeah, I did feel that, that that was the Mbappe that we've all been craving to see. That to me, you mentioned the France sort of Mbappe. That to me was the Monaco Mbappe. That was mm. the the player that we saw yeah. streaking away from Dortmund's defence for Monaco a lot years of, ago. A lot of people have also been saying, oh, he's really announced himself on the world stage. Like, he, three, four years ago, he scored 15 goals in one mm. league and then World Cup. You know, and, it, and it was the it was the raw... It's not new. People. It was the raw Mbappe, wasn't it? Well, it was that, you know, the, it was that carefree... I'm just going to do what I know I'm good at, which is putting the ball in the net, as Jez said, and and just doing the simple things brilliantly. And uh, it was just just really really good thing. And that the third goal for me was that was just the peach. Uh, the, the, you can't beat that sort of finesse straight from that position. Um, and I thought Draxler played very a very good pass in that move as well because that could easily have gone wrong. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought thought it was a really really good good performance. Do either of you hold any concerns about the second leg? I know it's a bit of a loaded question, but any concerns at all? I mean, I, not me, at all. No, well, I said that before the Man United <laughs> one a couple. Yeah, of years I, know, ago, I did the same. For me, the first goal is key. If you get the first goal, that's that's completely it done. I think Barcelona score first, and there's that little bit of uh, you know the bum clenching kind of thing. But it depends I, I, if they get more helpful penalties and. Yeah, well, there, there was almost one when, in this, wasn't there? Because apart from anything else, I've completely lost track you, with this next, new week of football thing. Next Wednesday, I believe, is the second leg. Um, I will confirm that in a second, but yeah. Um, and any, anybody got any debate on the penalty, by the way, because of it? Because I thought that was incredibly harsh. I, I get that there's I mean, a clip. But... I thought it was harsh, but eh, whatever. 
yeah yeah uh, ultimately what psg did is because i think the old psg would have let that get to them and and maybe would have would have fallen away but uh they turned on the style and they got the results so um well done to uh to pochettino's men and you can only hope now that as you say we, we finish the job when they face barcelona and indeed the second leg is looks at fixtures 10th of march so that is indeed in fact that's two weeks isn't it <sighs> crikey look at me exactly yes. that's Do- why i'm so confused Two weeks Wednesday, um, so yeah, I think it's the Europa League that comes comes along quickly and, and goes along quickly. So, uh, which is a beautiful segue to the other team in Europe this weekend or this week, I should say. Um, Jazz, I'll start with you on this one. Lille one, Ajax two. Speaking uh, of dodgy penalties, yeah, my, I, I, yeah, I will mention that they they went ahead through through Timothy Weyer and and all at that stage, I would say looked okay, but to me. They were clearly the second best on the night. Like I missed so many chances. I think they hit the bar twice, and and they looked impressive and, and really dominated Lille for long spells. But Timothy Ware put them in front on 72 minutes. Uh, Mike Magnon, who for me is fast becoming the, the, the goalkeeper for France to next have a look at in in terms of the future, I think anyway. But then it, it, the game all changed on on a th- crazy two minutes. We had the Dusan Tadic penalty. By all means, you can explain to our listeners what happened. But for me, Renato Sanchez doesn't make a challenge. It's a dive. End of story. There's just no argument for me. And then Broby gets the, the the winning goal in 89 minutes, albeit with a delicious assist from Davy Klassen to sort of uh, cut Lille's defence in half, essentially, and uh, the striker to prod home. It's an uphill task, isn't it, for the, for the French side now? Because, yes, they can go and score one and, and, you know, take the game to, well, in fact, actually, no, they have to score twice, don't they, with away goals. But they're going to have to take the game to an Ajax side, which at times ripped them to pieces at home. So what did you make of the performance overall? I, I don't, I think Galtier picked probably the best 11 that was available to him. Um, although... But it, it certainly wasn't, I don't think, Lille's sort of strongest team full stop. Um, I think they massively miss, not massively, but I think they always miss Andre when he's not playing, for example. Um, and yeah, the fact is that they were outplayed. My, my, I'm just sort of hesitating because I still, you know, although it was a, a relatively strong team, you know, I still think Sumare is more kind of... Um, fuss and potential than anything he ever actually shows on the pitch for the moment um and i think you know especially against a, a really good passing team like ajax you need to have some kind of element of control in midfield and with sumare and renato sanchez he's not really he doesn't look back to full match fitness i think that was always going to be a struggle i think starting we are probably suggests that maybe you're not playing your 100 percent strongest starting lineup i just feel like maybe Galtier and Lille didn't know how seriously to take take the match, um, but be that as it may, they they you know the eleven that they put out was frankly outplayed by Ajax. You have to say, and just Ajax always seemed very kind of cyclical and sort of every two three years look extremely strong until the the whole team is is picked off um, by by various teams from abroad. And this is one of the years, and you, you look at their records in in. Um, in the Dutch league so far and what they're doing in in, in Europe that they do look strong and, and just you know really ticking as a as a team at the moment. So 
Um, I, I did think Lille had a decent chance in this tie, um, but certainly they 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 definitely look the, the second best team um, on Thursday. But as I said, I, I do feel that that's a little bit of sort of the team and Gautier probably thinking this isn't really our priority this year. Um, mm. It would be a nice bonus, but, you know, Ligue 1 has got to be the, the main focus, um, which is a pity in a way, but certainly understandable. Um, all of that said, to have kind of weathered the storm that they weathered and then take the lead and, and be leading with sort of six minutes left or whatever it was, um, it's disappointing to, to end up being defeated. But certainly I, I don't think it was a penalty. And so in that sense, although probably it led to justice being done just on the balance of play, I think they were very hard done by. Um, yeah. I d- yeah, I don't think... I mean, you know, with the David Luiz one and the PSG one and the Everton one at the weekend, it, that, that seems like it's going to be the next debate all about sort of intent in terms of, of giving away penalties. But this one, I don't, I don't think he even sort of accidentally clipped anyone, I think. He's trying guy, to get out of the way, isn't he? If anything, yeah. he's trying to move his body out of the, the, the passing striker's path, I thought. Yeah, I mean... I've said what I think before about our oh, clever players feeling contact and going down. I don't think that's clever. I think that's cheating. And I think mm. it's unbelievable that people get away with it all the time. What I do think is clever is the strikers who sort of managed, and I think Icardi did one the other day, they managed to sort of get between the defender and the ball just as the defender's about to take a huge swipe at the ball so that they definitely do get caught and it definitely does knock them down. But mm. looking for it in that sense... That's what I think the Ajax player was doing. But Sanchez never went through with the swipe. I think the guy just got in between the two and then just fell over. Um, so it was harsh. And the second goal, as you said, it was it was, it was was a good pass and a reasonable finish. Many was a little unlucky. You know, he got a bit behind it, but it, it still went in. Um, so it's frustrating because having been unplay- outplayed, they could have got through with a... With a sneaky 1-0 win but possibly the fact that they lost that and the fact that they're now full clear in, in Liga kind of makes all decisions for them and and I'd be very surprised if they play a, anything close to a um, their strongest team in the second leg yeah yeah I, I yeah I think I, I do it just has the feeling that this tie might be gone do you feel the same way Phil is that kind of your impression I mean it was just I don't know. Just I, I just felt when they went one up, I was like, "Yeah, this will do nicely." You know, that just just yes. compact then, this because they do all... tend to do that occasionally. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then conceding two in two minutes or whatever it was. I mean, it looks like it was a bit of a smash and grab at the end, but as Jez said, probably wasn't. So their reaction at the weekend was kind of the inverse of PSG's. Um, mm. So. As, as Jess says, Liga has to be their priority. It's sad to say, but you know that's uh, that's the main prize in their eyes, and I think that's you know where we're going to see. I don't know what team they'll put out in second leg, whenever the hell that is, um, but uh, I think it's going to depend very much on what are the matches before and after that in in their priority, as it were. 
yeah yeah the list of priorities um grows and and uh yeah so it's a bit a bit of a shame a bit of a shame in truth especially after the high of of psg it was just a little bit of a, a deflation and um would have been nice to have seen how how far leo could have got in what's fair to say is is a, is a europa league stacked with some some pretty big european names uh, and tottenham so um <laughs> Let's uh, let's transition into the weekend's games and uh, and have a look at what went on. We mentioned in the in the outset or the intro, I should say, uh, with regards to some goalkeeping blunders. Um, I should mention actually just before I say this, there was a midweek game uh, which saw Marseille face Nice, and Marseille squeaked home. Uh, they did get a win. My goodness me, though, were they fortunate with a, a very last, literally the last kick of the ball from Amin Guiri hitting the post via Mandanda, who knew nothing about it, which would have resulted in a 3-3 draw. It's a really good, entertaining game, actually. And uh, Cowie, I believe is how you pronounce it, um, he made his name, uh, was given a, a rare start, scored twice and played very, very well. So uh, fair play to Marseille for that win. I have slight issues with... I mean, Nice were obviously slightly hampered by the fact that they couldn't play Saliba and Tadebo because they weren't with Nice when the match should have been played. So the rules are that they can't play this. Mm. But then presumably Dante would have played, would have been fit when this match was played. That's so magically point, yeah. reimagine history is your point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a bit of a yeah, it was a bit of a weird one, wasn't it? They had to play squads that would have been pre-registered because this is when the game was being played. This was so so. catch up from game eleven, I believe, mm. because of various confusions. So. Yeah, yeah, a bit of a bit of a weird sort of way around it, but it obviously makes makes sense. But um, good win, nevertheless, for for Marseille. I'd say particularly impressed with with Kawi. I think we're probably going to see a bit more of him. Well, we should have seen a lot more of him for a while now. Uh, oh, absolutely. He had, a, yeah. he had a really good season. He was on loan somewhere. A couple, he was on loan at Khan, and Khan, yeah. uh, before that, he was on loan at oh, a team with big sponsor and with the house on the front. Blair Toi, wasn't it? Toi? Oh. I think it was Toi. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, yeah he, did, he did well for them. I'm surprised he hasn't been given more chances. And I think that's always quite reasonably exciting about. Uh, uh, caretaker manager will actually mix things up a little bit and you know he's even had Payet playing well the last couple of games so yeah <laughs> indeed yeah um but uh but yeah good good win nevertheless and, and yeah credit where credit's due um Marseille did uh did get back to their normal ways at the weekend which we'll come on to but I want, I want to start with the title race and and the first goalkeeping clangor of, of the weekend which uh which came in the Brest Leon game this again was a really good entertaining affair a 3-2 win for the uh, away side for, for Leon Rudy Garcia's men. Um, probably deserved based upon their first half performance, if nothing else. Lucas Paquita, Hussamawa, and Memphis Depay's penalty um, got them into the lead. The opening goal was a bit of a, a calamity um, in terms of the, the goalkeeping situation. Sibwa. All these goalkeepers trying to do Cruyff turns in their own area. I mean... Yeah, not advisable, I think it's fair to say, based on the uh, outcome of this particular issue. Um, it was comical. Paquita um, was in the right place at the right time, it has to be said. What was good about this game as well, Brest really fought back. Uh, Chardonnay got, getting one back for Cardona, uh, pulling a second back. I think, to be honest, on the grand scheme of things, Brest are a little bit unfortunate not to come away with a point. But um, They were both really good goals as well. I mean, Chardonnay were, yeah. it was a proper, you know, get out of the way of this chaps kind yeah. of downward um, 
bullet and the Cardona goal was a great break. It looked like the Leon defence had just assumed he was offside and so didn't really bother chasing him, yeah. which turned out to be an error. Just a bit, yeah, yeah, just a bit. You, do you feel, sticking with you for a minute, FL, do you feel like this is... Then this this is kind of the Leon we, we're going to need to see if they're going to carry on. I know we've yes. said it. I mean, for months, after but... after last week when PSG was the only one of the top four who won, and Leon were the ones who lost, and now we've got things kind of the other way around. I think it was very important for Leon to to take this. Um, obviously, they're now in they're back in second. Um, They've got a tough game at uh, at the, the weekend to come. Uh, so I think it was important. But just the fact that they were 3-0 up at half-time and Brest put, nearly put together uh, a comeback is, you know, a little bit. They're still not perfect. So no. um, we'll have to keep an eye on, on how that goes. But, yeah, Brest... Um, their goals were, were lovely. And again, they played really well, but what the goalkeeper was doing. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Moves on to next goalkeeping wreck of the weekend, possibly. Yes. That was almost as funny. Yeah, actually, I might I might save that one for in a minute because we can't really class uh, Marseille in the title race. But uh, the next club that we can say is, is safely in the title race, Chez, is, uh, is Lille. They got a 4-1 win over Lorient. I think what was particularly impressive about this performance from from Garcia's man a was goals, of course, albeit a touch. I think both Gravillon's own goal and Braderich's deflected goal were a touch fortunate. Jose Fonts was a thing of beauty, uh, as was Jonathan Icone's free kick. Uh, her ghost wasn't bad either. Lorient's goal was fortunate. Yeah, mm, yeah, little, yeah. I think it was a cross. If I'm completely <laughs> honest, but but um, what impressed me about this was that. Lille could have been feeling sorry for themselves and, and Lorient unbeaten in six coming into this game. It would have been the sort of it would have been the sort of game that you could easily have seen Lille kind of coming and, and, and falling, you know, falling foul of, of the Ajax game. But they, they turned up with a, a determined attitude and as much as it pains me to say it, they thoroughly deserved the win and, and dominated this game. Do you, do you sort of feel like we've touched on the Europa situation, but is this kind of what we're going to see now from Lille? It's, it's just all out. For, for the for the uh, the league and title race now in terms of their performances I th- yeah I think it's got to be I mean um they're four points clear near the end of February yeah. um I'm sure that you, if you'd given them that option at the start of the year I'm sure they'd have taken it and it really does feel a little bit like the end of a cycle I think um come the end of the season I think you know Campos has gone Lopez has gone um I, I'd be shocked if Gautier is still there at the start of the next season. Um, you know, Gabriel. Where do you see him going? Just quickly on that, because you said that a few times. I'm intrigued. Where, where do you see him? Do you see him being poached by one of the big names? I don't think poached. I'm just not sure he will still want to be there. He's made such a, a big play of sort of, you know, we're, we're a, a trio. We, we work well together and the other two have both left. So, uh, you know, I might be wrong if he doesn't get any better offers, but there's not that much available in France. I think Marseille possibly would have been the obvious one because he played there, he's been assistant manager there, but he's obviously not going to get that. Although, frankly, if he he holds on a little bit, he'll probably become available quite soon. (laughs) I think probably he is thinking maybe it's time to to try abroad. Um, And... 
you know, his stock should be reasonably high anyway, but certainly if they if they win the league, um, I'm sure there'll there'll be a lot of um Futures. positions available. And mm. you know, he's been linked with Newcastle before. Oh, that, that place yeah, could don't, well, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, it could go. Yeah, I just worry that it might go a little bit called Puel at Southampton if he goes to the Premier League. But I, I know what you mean. Like he's good enough. I think. To, but I just. I, I also, also think, think he's smart enough not to go to Newcastle. You'd like to think so. Yeah. But I think there's. Um, he has said before that there's a. He has got one dream club, but he won't say who it is. Um, right. There's. I just. I think you look at. It's not quite the same level of, as Monaco, but it just feels like there, again, could be a lot of players leaving this summer. And there's only so many times, especially when you don't have Campos doing the scouting for you, that you can keep effectively replacing them. You know, mm. Botman has done a fantastic job replacing uh, Gabriel, but it looks like Botman's probably only going to stay one year and, and he'll get a big move in the summer. Um I think at least one, if not two, Jonathans will be leaving. Um, Sumare, despite everything I said earlier, you know, is an important squad player, and I think he's almost certainly going to go. Renato Sanchez is just one of those big names. If he can maintain his form, you've got to think that um, clubs will be will be after him, especially if he has a good Euro. So I just I am a little bit concerned for what will be left of the current Lille squad next year. So it does feel like, and you know obviously a quirky year like this where PSG are dropping lots of points, are looking tired. You don't get those chances every year, so they really need to go out all out for it. Um, and like we said, I mean all, all, all top three teams top four as well, if you count Monaco. I mean, they're on a fantastic run. But when you look at the, the, their fixtures, yesterday was actually the first time they've really been tested in terms of opposition for, for a hell of a long time. Um, but the top three, they've all had their shaky moments. And frankly, most of the time, all three of them are scraping out with, with scraping out of those matches with, with very good results. So I think the trick is to sort of make hay when you're playing well and to scrape those those sketchy wins when you're not at your best. And um, Lille have been doing that. And and recently, okay, even last week, fine, they didn't have a shot on target, but they still got the point. They still kept um, their place at the top of the table, um, which I think is was an important psychological thing. And, and as you said, another win this week, which I don't think should be sniffed at because Lorient have been in good form. And that's seven away wins in a row. And even... With the you know quirkiness of not having any fans there, so and and I don't know about the league as stats, but you know certainly in the Premier League, obviously the the um, you know, there's been a, a huge uh, sort of you can see that it's it's made a huge difference in terms of, of away wins. Yeah. Um, I assume it may well be like that in Ligue 1. You know, whatever the the factors, seven away wins in a row is extremely impressive stuff. That is title-winning form. Um, so I think that they still, at the moment, are kind of answering every question that that's that's asked of them. You know, at the start of the season, Bamba was in good form. He's sort of dropped off a bit, but Jonathan David has been in really good form recently. Um, Timothy, where for me, is still not a starter, but is is being very effective off the bench. Um, Ikone 
who hasn't been in fantastic form since his France call-up, really, you know, with a, a really nice free kick at the weekend. So they're still sort of mixing it up. They've still got um, options in midfield. Um, they're still looking strong in defence. As you said, Menon is, is still looking very solid. Font is looking like a, a great leader who's even come up with a couple of important goals recently. So I, I'm not necessarily saying that they're my favourites, but they're, they're really well set up at the moment to, to go ahead and win. And, um, you know, the upcoming fixtures, and I usually do it at the end, but um, they should be looking to certainly steal a march on Lyon because however bad Marseille's form is, I still think it's a tough place for, for Lyon to, to go and automatically expect to win. PSG should get, get the job done at Dijon, but Lille at home to Strasbourg, again, it should should be a, a straightforward home win to, to keep them keep them in, in sort of comfortably at the top. Yeah, yeah. And as, as we look ahead, there's one fixture in three weeks' time, which is going to be really, really fascinating, uh, which which segues me rather nicely, Phil, to uh, to talk about Monaco, who are now 11 games unbeaten. I think I'm right in saying they've won 10 of those, looks back at fixtures. Sorry, won nine of those. They've drawn two. Unbeaten in 11. They went to the PDP last night and put on what I, I, I genuinely, if you'd have said to me, Monaco will put on a defensive masterclass, um, you know, yes, I could see them scoring goals, but they scored two really well created goals Diop's header and uh, Maripan's finish. Jez and I speaking at the time when the goal went in, it was like a striker. And they're, they're just, I think that they've answered a lot of questions with this win because it wasn't just, yeah, PSG, they were a little bit off colour, I think it's fair to say. There was a little bit of after the Lord Mayor's show about particularly the big name players. But Monaco, to keep a clean sheet and go and win at PSG, who now have dropped points to Lyon and Lille as well as Monaco, that's a big statement, isn't it, as they push on yeah, in this, I, this race? I think so. I think there were kind of two main things I took from this. It was kind of a very enjoyable game to watch if you're a bit of a tactics pervert, um, um, was, you know, PSG, no shots on target in the first half, one shot on target overall. And yep. I think this was, I, I had a lot of the people I've been having conversations about the Barcelona game with was saying, oh, what, what's going on? It's like, well, if you've got decent fullbacks, or in this case, wingbacks, um, they can keep Mbappe quiet and having a mobile midfield is also a good idea. And I think it was something Jez mentioned because Verratti was being arrested. Um, so somebody had to come in and the midfield started, which was Garnegay, Herrera and Paredes. I think Jez, you were making the point, why don't you put somebody, an attacking midfielder in there? Sure, um, yeah. That might've made more sense. It didn't look like PSG could move forwards um, comfortably as they are wont to do. So, and it was, I think it was Garnagay who lost Diop on the on the opening goal, which happened in six minutes. So I think they were just bad. And by the time Verratti came on, which is when obviously we all start our stopwatches to see when it'll be booked, PSG had really been um, kind of reduced to making kind of field goal, goal attempts. I think Kimpembe had a crack and everything was going over the bar and it was just like it was too late um, that they just hadn't 
they didn't have the click they had against Barcelona and whether that was the team wasn't that different but that's one player who makes all the difference mm. and so it was I think a, a great performance by Monaco um, and just they, I think because they've been fourth but quite a long way off three they've just been doing their thing and having some good fun now they're only two points off PSG in third. Are we going to see them get a little bit more sensible and boring? Mm. I kind of doubt it, but I'm slightly worried. Uh, but I think we'll we'll have to see. But yeah, their unbeaten run is amazing, and the fact that they seem to be a very balanced team as well, um, despite the fact they can ship, ship some goals at times, they can also score a lot. So. Yeah, the clean sheet was surprising, uh, but the win, I think, was uh, made a lot of sense. Yeah, really, really impressive. Uh, and Jez, they're currently at, at time of recording, so six points off, off the top of the table. But when you consider that two points separates them from PSG, uh, only three points separates them to second place, Leon, and then obviously the, the, the gap to Lille. It's like Phil said, I just want to touch on that a little bit. Is the pressure going to sort of build a little bit on Kovac and his players? Because he's done well to sort of Leicester it so far and keep them firmly under the radar. But they face Brest this weekend uh, at home, which, you know, actually might be quite a watchable game. But you'd, you'd think that they could win that's, that. That's Sunday lunch. That is nice. Yes, yeah, tasty, isn't it? Then they uh, go away to Strasbourg, which the way Strasbourg are playing at the moment, I expect them to, to get a win there. And then they face Lille the following week which is suddenly a massive game do you uh, are you willing to put your head on the block and, and say they've impressed you enough particularly with this result to, to suggest that they can stick around in this race and make it a four-way tie uh yeah i can i mean the six points gap is 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 still a decent size but obviously the fact that they do play Lille means that, that they can you know, it's not necessarily all in their hands, but they can certainly do their bit to halve that. And then they're 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 well in the race. And you look at their, like I said, I I, I haven't been as in, I've been impressed in terms of they've been fun to watch. But you look at their, excuse me, their recent run, and I I don't think that they I haven't been that impressed with the teams they've beaten. And frankly, you know. They were very lucky to draw against Lorient last week. It was literally the last kick of the game, um, conceding three to Nîmes the week before. I don't think it's always been particularly impressive, even if it's been fun to watch. But th this was completely different. Um, so, and you know, they got the the double over PSG. Um, they've still got Lille and Lyon to play, so so big matches there. But both of them are at home for what that's worth. Um, so I, you know, I, I definitely think that they've put themselves in the um, in the in the running now. I think had they lost yesterday, I'd feel differently. But I think that they've proven to themselves and to all their future opponents that they're they're to be taken very seriously. And and again, they've got different players who are capable of stepping up when needed. So when Ben Yedder's a little bit off form. You've got Volan stepping up. Um, ben Yedder with with lots of 
penalties um, to, to kind of keep his his scoreboard ticking over. You've got Diop, who I wouldn't say has been a revelation because everyone's known that he's been a talent for a while, but now he's been given a proper chance. He's really showing it. Um, Defence, they've got options. They all have their moments, sort of positive and negative. But again, he I think Kovac did a great job yesterday, sort of, um, resting Sidibe and bringing um, Disazi in, and, and obviously it's easy to say afterwards, but it was absolutely the right decision. Um, you've got, I think the fullbacks are important, a bit like Leo actually. I, that, I think that could be where sort of titles are won and lost, but certainly the form Aguilar and Kayo showed yesterday was 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 fantastic. And in the middle, Chuameni and, and Fofana just seem to be a fantastic sort of midfield pairing. And you think of the 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 successes that that Monaco have had in in recent seasons, and it's with a sort of Bakayoko, and it's with the Fabinho there, and and um, the the control in midfield has been absolutely crucial to them. So you know, as long as this team, um, this sort of starting lineup stays fit, I, I think you've got to say that they'll they'll sort of be in the equation at the end of the season. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to hard to look away from them at, at this particular point. And like I say, uh, just watching that game last night, that was what really stood out to me. It was the fact that they were able to set up in what's essentially a, a sort of a five-four-one or a four-five-one, but they just looked very well drilled and not just all about the flair. And you know, they took their chances. And I thought that that early goal, I, I must admit, when they scored early, I thought, yeah, this is this is going to be you know could be a cricket score. This is going to open the game up and. PSG just didn't respond, and uh, I do wonder if there was a touch of arrogance about that PSG performance. Which I don't. Know, I think that's a bit harsh. I just think, I mean, first of all, like to give also to give Monaco credit. You think about how they were completely opened up by Lyon not long ago. Well, yeah, true. Well, it was quite a while ago now, but you yeah. know they've they've learned their lessons as well. And Kovac is is sort of doing very well to to develop uh, as he goes. Yeah, he was never a bad manager, even though it didn't go well at Bayern. Um, but I just think PSG, I mean, part of it is sort of, you know, there's obviously going to be a bit of a sort of emotional letdown after after the Barcelona match. Um, but I do, I do think that, you know, just as they're not the greatest team in the world after beating Barcelona, they're not the worst team in the world after losing to Monaco. It happens and it's to the credit of Ligue 1. Mm. You know, God forbid that... Well, we can't Neutral have that. Commentators should give it any credit, but it shows that there is there are very good teams in there and some very good coaches there. Um, I just think Pochettino probably didn't do any his team any favors for the for the reason that Phil said. If you're going to play, you know, with Neymar out and if you're resting um, Verratti, put Draxler in there. He hasn't been in. He's been in decent form recently, and he would provide that link between midfield and attack. Mm-hmm. Um, Verratti. Um, Draxler, Herrera and, and Paredes, you know, for, with all the best will in the world, they're all sort of midfield Fence. prodders, I think. Mm. Um, none of them are going to break lines, either with the ball or, or passing it. And everyone's criticised Mbappe and he had a really poor game. But he was, again, he was doing his Neymar thing of dropping really deep to try to get the ball and try to get involved when he shouldn't have any business doing that. He needs to stay in the final third. But had he just stayed there and, and waited for the ball, he wouldn't have had a touch or match. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. One, one thing, just as uh, Jess was talking about to the credit of Liga, when I was uh, listening uh, obviously, the commentary uh, 
uh, last night, the commentators were like, well, League oh, it's different from playing in the Champions League, as if to say playing Monaco is obviously harder than playing Barcelona in the Champions League, which is obviously exactly the opposite way around to how they would have said that in previous years, as mm. it were. And I thought that was very interesting, whether that's just a new speak thing from them or whether it, it does, as Jess said, make a lot of sense that there are good teams in Liga, so it is not surprising that PSG struggle occasionally like six times this season. I think they've lost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, well, we'll we'll have none of that talk. The league is terrible. We all know it. So let's let's not give it any credit at all because we all know that that's just facts, and it's only farmers that play in the league. So uh, yeah, we won't have any any of that going around here. But no, in all seriousness, I think it, it does show the strength of the league. And maybe arrogance was the wrong word to use there, but I just I don't know. I just felt like PSG sort of. Just for the first 10, 15 minutes in particular, it just felt like they kind of turned up and, and thought they wouldn't have to put in as much of a performance maybe as they did when, uh, in midweek to, to dispatch Monaco. And, and they were given a bit of a short, sharp shrift in terms of that uh, occurring. But I think like, I don't know, one of the, the one of my bugbears with, with all the Neymar fanboys is saying how, you know, just look at his record and, you know, PSG wouldn't even be playing Barcelona if it wasn't for Neymar's performance against Man United and all that kind of thing. Mbappe must be absolutely shattered. Like, he's barely had a break for two or three years. <laughs> he's, he's still a kid. He's still developing. Neymar is the one who's supposed to be in his absolute prime. And is, um, you know, since he's been at PSG, on average, had a rest every every other match. Mm. Um Mbappe, it's going to be harder for him to be sharp match in, match out when he's got, you know, his shoulders knackered from carrying the rest of the team. Neymar turns up when he wants to turn up and and everything's rosy for him. And, you know, even if he stays fit for a couple of weeks, then he gets he gets to have a week off to go and see his friends surfing or go and see his sister blow out candles and things like that. I, just, I think there's, you know, they're judged by very different standards but actually I think Mbappe gets a really hard rap yeah the pressure on him even at international level as well there's a lot of expectation on him all of a sudden now and yeah yeah it's a very good very good point he has really hasn't had a long period out out of football unless he's been injured and that's probably as a result of playing so much football so no I'm, I'm completely with you on that one I think that's a, a really really fair fair point we will just um, quickly run through the, the results, one notably, which I'll come on to. We saw St Etienne and Raz play out a one-all draw on Saturday. Uh, I watched this game. It wasn't very good. Highly Raz... enjoyable goal mad scramble for the uh, Abbey's... Oh, uh, for Charles Abbey's goal, that, yeah. That was, that was good fun. About three people ended up in the back of the net. Over old school. Fell over. Yeah, it was, it was good fun. All it needed was a cow pat in the goal mouth and it would have been Sunday League special. But uh, on the pitch. Yeah, cat on the pitch. Yeah, uh, Toure had put Rams in front and they probably at that point thought they would go on to win the game. But alas, uh, Abby's uh, bundled equaliser got a point for Paul. And then there was Riosman. a criminal mess from Boanga shortly after. Oh. I mean, Saint-Etienne really could have won that match. It's easier to score. I, I, I just, yeah, I thought he was weaving away for it, even taking it. But yeah, it was... Um, a good, a good point, but uh, probably missed opportunity for, well, I guess in the circumstances, both sides, when you look at it. Uh, speaking of missed opportunities, not one Marseille one was another missed opportunity for both mm. sides. Uh, Marseille um, had to come from behind, Ludovic Blas with the opener for Nantes, uh, Kumbuari's men going in front. Uh, Dimitri Payet scoring um, one of his, his better goals, one of his only goals, it has to be said, this season. 
and uh, and then Hiroki Sakai becoming the latest Barseille player to see red uh, in an ever-growing catalogue. Eighth this season. Eight. Yeah. Wow. But that that was the other big wreck. I mean, Blas's goal, Mandanda. Mandanda had one, didn't he? Yeah. This yeah, one really is hilarious. Going. It was like old man trying to trying to kick a football in the park, wasn't it? It was like you could you could almost hear his knees groaning as he went to uh, anyone who hasn't seen no, it. At, sort at of, least Sebastian attempted to play the ball. Mandanda yeah, Mandanda just missed it somewhere, and then realised that was a problem. For, for those who haven't seen it, it's sort of a back pass from what would be the right back um, area into Mandanda's path. And he sort of lets the ball come across his body before attempting to clear it left footed and just swipes thin air. And uh, the, the, if you watch the slow motion replay, it's his face as Blas takes possession and, and pops into the net where you just, you know, it's, it's like that meme. It was at this moment, Steve knew he'd fucked up. It was one of those situations, but um yeah, nevertheless, a point for Marseille, four points out of six for the week, given what's going on at the moment with them and there's still no new manager appointment at this time of recording. They'll probably take that in fairness. So 1-1 uh, one, one draw there. Uh, Phil's men got a win over Rennes. Montpellier with 2-1 win. Uh, Jurassi with the reply to two Mavadidi goals. Um, I yes. don't know who the commentator is for BT, but he kept calling him... Um, what is it he kept calling him? Mav Mavadidi? Mava, Mava Edi, Mava Edi. Uh, he kept saying his name wrong and it really bugged me. Anyway, well, God I, bless him. I, but... I, was, I was nervous about that because obviously it was um, two good goals from Mava Didi and he then won a penalty as well. Mm. And Teji Zavanier, who put in the free kick for the first goal, stepped up to take it, despite having already signalled to the bench that he was injured. Oh, yeah, um, one, yeah. He still took it, went over the bar, and then when Garassi got one back, it was like, oh, God, this shouldn't be this risky. But I think it was a, a fair result, I would say that, but a fair result overall. But yeah, Mabidi had a, a really, really good game. And amusingly, because I know he's he's been on, he was at Dijon, was he, last season? Mm-hmm. On loan, wasn't it? Yeah. Juventus, but uh, doesn't do interviews in French. And so they translate for him. Um, but he was asked, you know, how, how did it go? And he gave really quite a good and detailed answer and they didn't bother translating half of it and he wasn't sure if he could just walk off or not. And, yeah, it was uh, it was a little bit awkward, but he seems like a very uh, uh, clued up on on actually the, the nature of the game, despite that not having translated well. Uh, so yes, uh, all power to him and um, a start for um, Wahi as well. Yeah, obviously is our our new favourite player over here. So it was good to see, even though occasionally the main guys uh, are unavailable for various disciplinary or illness reasons. That you know Mavididi and Wahi are also really stepping up, and that is uh, great to see. Yeah, it's good to see him getting some game time as well. Sort of young players coming through. Uh, a good win for and you. Ren in more of a mess. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. We should probably see what happens with them this week before we delve into them too deep. But yeah, they they definitely looked again a little bit shot shy and a little bit uh, yeah, yeah. Just that's the noise really. Other than the goal for Jurassic, which will benefit his confidence, they did look pretty poor. Uh, no such problem for your guys, though, Jez. Uh, another win for Mets. 2-1 away at Nice. Um, the goals from Criate and Gray with uh, one back for Guriri, which um, 
proved to be uh, insignificant in the end from the penalty spot. But yeah, doing doing very well. I mean, snapping two two successive defeats to prove this isn't a fluke. Up to sixth now. Um, yeah, I'm still looking for, uh, for weeks break in between, so they looked a bit fresher and and just everything is feel good at the club. Like literally the best it feels since '98. Um, Antonetti and, and all his staff signed a con- signed contract extensions during the week, um, and he spoke actually really emotionally about um, how he's sort of happier there than he has been at anywhere else, or he feels sort of more valued there than he has before anywhere else. I think it's kind of a lot of it has been born through tragedy because obviously he, he was given time off to look after his wife and um, he sort of bonded with with Messi's president who, who sadly lost a, a daughter but, um, sort of a couple of months, I think, before before Antonetti, I think before he sort of announced that his, his wife was unwell. Um, so, you know, that they, they've really formed a bond that, he seems to really enjoy working with with a mostly young set of players. The players seem to really be feeding off him. And I don't know if I mentioned before that this is all despite several injuries to, to crucial players, which is sort of all the more impressive. And, you know, as long as we don't get too sort of gutted by, by bigger teams in the summer, I, I feel like, you know, this... There's, you know, there's a lot of potential for the for the team to progress and, and maybe do even better. Yeah, yeah, and you, you know, you can't, as you say, it seems like a good fit, doesn't it, in terms of management and players and everything. And you can't argue with the results. If you just said that Mets would have been sixth in late February, I'm sure you'd have bitten my hand off. So, um, yeah, I mean, ahead of Marseille, Rennes, yeah, Montpellier. <laughs> yeah. No, I had to throw that one in. Sorry, Phil. But yeah, Bordeaux, Saint Etienne, Nice, Nice yes. themselves. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's an incredible turnaround this season. Uh, in terms of uh, form. Um, good win for Lance as well, who got a victory over Dijon, who are starting to get a little marooned at the bottom. I'll explain yeah. why in a minute. But another good win for Lance. They're unbeaten in five. And uh, this girl, uh, Fafana, put them in front for Angonda, equalised. Banza got the winner. Kamara also saw red for the visitors. But uh, yeah, Lance um, going along quite nicely as well. I think along with Mets, so the probably su- well, biggest surprise package of the league this season. Uh, up to fifth now with uh, with 40 points, but not such a good story for Dijon, whose result coupled with a 2-0 win for Nîmes over Bordeaux, uh, Melling and Ripard, Benito seeing red for Bordeaux. Really good result that for Nîmes, uh, and it just gives them that cushion now. It's a six-point gap. Anybody giving Dijon any chance at this stage, or are we kind of... A couple of weeks them? ago, I said I was more worried about Nîmes than Dijon, and... I would like to apologise to Dijon if I had anything to do with this karmic turn of events because, ooh, I mean, Nîmes have got back-to-back wins. They appear to have some fight in them. Mm. Dijon just look shot. And it's... Every time they think they're getting somewhere, like, you know, Ngondo equalises, then it's slapped out of their hands. And... Got 15 points off 26 games. I mean, that's bad. It's relegation form, isn't it? Let's be honest. And also, given that we have a midweek catch-up game of Nîmes against Lorient, 
which is huge for both all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. 18th against 19th. Yeah. Could it get any bigger than that? Yeah, that's on Wednesday. Uh, I shall be watching when the whole world will be watching Champions League. I shall be watching uh <laughs> I should be watching a, a basement battle, but yeah. Uh, I think that's probably going to go a long way to determine um, how sort of how much Nantes. Uh, it's almost looking like a four-way fight at the bottom. Although Nice's alarming form is a little bit of a concern, but they have got that five-point cushion from Nantes. So um, yeah, one team that may be looking over Can there. Just give a quick shout out to Marseille. It ain't so at there uh, at Ball from Grace, um, who's who have given us this joke to use, which is. Um, on Bordeaux's poor form, which is, folks, I haven't seen the Girondin fool this hard since the insurrection of 1793. <laughs> that's uh, that's a tweet, I'm presuming. Yeah. Excellent work. See, yeah. is, sometimes the internet is a wonderful place. Bordeaux Rarely. Bordeaux are having some problems, though. Well, yeah, yeah, Bordeaux are, are having some problems, but... Not quite as many problems as, as Angers, um, who drew, uh, sorry, it's Angers, uh, Strasbourg, sorry, who drew nil-nil with Angers. Strasbourg, uh, um, having levelled things out after sort of a wonky period of form, uh, yeah, okay, it's a draw, you know, they won their game before that, but again, starting to look over their shoulders, I was an unfortunate member to watch this nil-nil draw, and it was horrendous. But uh, they do look like a team that still need one or two more wins in the coming weeks to to steer themselves into safety. Um, I think that's a bit of a concern for them as they look over their shoulders um, downwards, shall we say. So uh, there we go. And just a quick look at the table, as we mentioned earlier on, Lille are top three points clear from Lyon. Should be said, everybody's played the same amount of games now, apart from Marseille, Rennes, who's still got to play each other, and Nîmes Lorient, as we mentioned before. But Lille, three points clear from Lyon, uh, who are a point clear of PSG in third, who are a further two points clear of Monaco in fourth, with uh, Lens currently in a European spot, bizarre as it sounds, they are, uh, with Metz, as we mentioned before, in sixth, Marseille, seventh, Rennes, Montpellier, and Angers making up the top ten, and then reading down 11th to 16th, you've got uh, Bordeaux, Brest, Reims, St Etienne, Strasbourg, and Nice, with the basement battle between those four clubs, it seems inevitable that three of well certainly two of the three of the four are going to go down with one other facing a playoff Dijon uh, minus 22 goal difference 15 points bottom five straight defeats and uh, Nîmes 21 point six points clear in 19th but still obviously in that red zone with Lorient just above them on 23 points hopefully that stays the same way or ideally goes up one with uh, Comboraris not uh, sitting in 17th uh, they've put a, a run together of two unbeaten so that's uh, a little base for them to uh, to improve still further. Um, I wonder if we might see another change of coach before the end of the season at Nice if this run continues. I just wonder. Something to keep our eyes on, maybe, in the coming weeks. Uh, in terms of the fixtures to look forward to at the weekend, I will come to that. I should just let you all know that the draw for the Coupe de France has been made. This is the round of 32 uh, and reading from top to bottom, Red Star against Lens, Beauvais against Boulogne, we've got Gazalek Ajaxio against Lille, Valenciennes against Metz, Nice Monaco, that looks a little bit tasty, doesn't it? Uh, oh, I'm going to butcher some of these, so apologies. Rumeli Vare, I believe, or, and uh, Nisi. That's the two clubs I must admit I know very little about, if anything. I'm not going to lie to you, listeners. Uh, John Mainland has been keeping up with all of this stuff, and it's up on the website. Good job. He he probably says these a lot better than I do as well, but I've started, so I'll finish. Which Uh, one did you just read out? 
uh, Rumili Valer and Anossi and Anassi. Anassi. Is it Anassi? So I was going to go Anasi. with that, and I thought I'm it sounded too wrong. From the from the consonants. So Rumili Valier against Anasi. Oh, beautiful. All right, Jess, you can read out the fixtures if you like. Uh, try, this on. On. try this yeah. one. Try this one. Saint-Louis uh, Nelvege. Saint-Louis, I'm guessing Neuveg. Neuveg. Oh, there's a bit of German in that. I like that. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, oh, that was that. That, that reached my loins. German. It's, it's even, it sounds it. Neuveg does sound very German, Austrian right on the border, doesn't it? Uh, Olympic Lyonnais. I can do that one. I it's Socho. I can do that one. That one's fine. Oh, that's uh, fun. Canet Roussillon against Olympic de Marseille. Roussillon. Roussillon. Like the uh, uh, French fullback. Canet often have a, a, a run. They're from the other side of, of Montpellier. So. Uh, Occitanie. Uh, Olympic de Alais. Dallais? Alais. Alais. Oh, there we go. Montpellier. I was going to say you should know that one. Yeah. Uh, Angers against Club uh, Franciscan. 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 No. Oh, that was far away. Are they in as well? I thought there was only yeah. one Outremer team still in it. Oh. No, nope, they're still there against Angers. Um, there's a team here playing to lo- Toulouse. Uh, I, I, I'm guessing Aubergine, but um, I look at it, I just see Aubergine. I'm not going to lie. Aubergine. Aubergine. There we go. I, I'm going to call them Aubergine because why not? Uh, That's where, Brest... um, Aubergine, I think, is that where um, André Pierre Gignac's from? I mean, you've, you've, asked, you've put me on the spot there. Without... Oh, no, because I... I... I go to the Toulon tournament every year, and one year it was in Orban, and I'm pretty sure that's where I met André Pierre Gignac's father, who is exactly as you'd imagine him, and has the name André Pierre, as well as his other son, tattooed on his arm. Well, he was born in Martigues. Oh, Martigues, that's where it was, okay. Orban was another time. That was the time I ended up staying in the same hotel as a Scottish team, who were what? all very nice young men. And what that tells you is Jez is far quicker at Googling than I. <laughs> so uh, Jez wins that particular round. Um, we've got Brest against PSG. Uh, Le Poix Foot against L'Oreal. Le Puy. Le Puy. Oh, God, I, I really need to go back to basic French. It's been so many years. They do good cheese as well. Especially with a name like Foot. That sort of works quite well, doesn't it? See what I did there? Sorry, I'll get my coat. Samur. 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 Somewhere, nearly uh, against uh, oh, Montag, uh, Montagnard, Montagnard, yeah, not bad. Montagnard, oh, there we go, not too bad. Um, oh my god, do I really have to even try the last one? This is horrendous. Uh, Romarata <laughs> Mitsaprière against uh, Chateaubriand, which also, yeah, Romarata haven't played yet because they're the cat. They're the final game of the round. That's yeah. You got one. You got one of two there. So Romantia. they're playing on Thursday against the other automatic team, Mitsabe. Mitsapere. They oh, there's an accent on the e. So yeah, so one of those two will fail. And is it Chateaubriand? Like yeah. the cheese? Yeah. Like oh. like the steak. That, that, why did I, I just said cheese. I've just invented a cheese there. My God, this well, has come off fair, a cliff. A couple of years ago, we did use to play a game. Is it in the Coupe de France? Is it a team or is it a cheese? And we had to stop when it turned out that several of them were both. 
Is it also a wine? Chateaubriand is a wine as well, isn't it? Oh, Chateaubriand is a big fuck off steak. It's like rack of beef. Well, I mean, they, they, we're, we're educating our listeners. The, ki- the kind of thing you have to buy for two people in a restaurant. A big one. Yeah. So if if you um if you want culinary tips, don't come to me because I've mistaken Chateaubriand steak for both a cheese and a wine. So um yeah, don't come to me for for food culinary advice unless it goes in a microwave. I'm not cooking it. So there you go. So um th- there they are the fixtures. If if you manage to follow along, well done. And if you want to hear those names again, uh, at Jeremy Smith on Twitter, <laughs> because I will not be attempting them again until I've brushed up on my French, which will probably be in about five years. So, yeah, there you go. Those games will be played on Sunday, the 7th of March. I can tell you that much. So um, we will keep you abreast of the information uh, as to how those games go. And Jez will be pronouncing them for you in a few weeks time. So we'll look forward to that. Um, back to Liga then. And before we go, just have a look at the fixtures upcoming this round or this weekend. We have got Ren against Nice on Friday, which I think that might be a decent watch, given the fact that both clubs kind of need a win pretty badly. That's 9pm French team, UK 8pm. That'll be on BT Sport, I would imagine. You've got Bordeaux against Metz. That's the 12pm game in the UK time on Saturday. And Dijon against PSG is the other game. That's at four o'clock. And then we mentioned earlier on the Monaco-Brest game on Sunday. That has a bit of tasty morsel about it. Uh, followed by four games at the three o'clock slot. Uh, Angers against Lens. Lorient against Etienne. Big win, a big win needed there for the for the Lorient boys. If they can beat Nîmes midweek, that'd be lovely. Nîmes themselves face Nantes. Another big game. It's quite a big week, isn't it, for, for Nîmes? Mm. Crikey. Uh, Rams against Montpellier. Uh, Lille against Strasbourg. And uh, quite a tasty looking game on Sunday night between Marseille and uh, Lyon. Do we suspect that um, the proverbial Marseille wrench will be thrown into the Lyon machine? Um, I have a feeling this one might be a little bit um, feisty. I don't know why. I just have that feeling about it. Or will Leon or will Marseille roll over and say, anyone but PSG, you have the points, we're out of here. I guess that's, I guess that's the bigger question. But yeah, I think that's probably the one along with Monaco Brest that stands out for me. Anybody else uh, care to venture one they might be interested in? No, obviously I will be watching Rance versus Montpellier through my fingers. Um <laughs> Because Montpellier should be able to get that, but they're so up and down at the moment. Three wins on the bounce. I'm a little bit, a little bit nervous about that. But yeah, I mean the Olympico on Sunday evening should be should be good fun. Mm. It might not be the best football in the world, uh, but it should be, you know, maybe some mindless violence, maybe some fuck. Maybe some flares being fired into the stadium from the car park, that kind of thing. Uh, you only get that abreast. It's good fun, that one. Um, but <laughs> yes, I think that's probably the, the games to look out for. Same for you, Jess. Any any that stand out for you? Or, again, is it those two that, that probably poke up above the parapet, if you will? Maybe Neem Nantes as well, for obvious reasons? That's important. I'm not sure I'd watch it. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's quite, a, quite a fair way of putting it, actually. Um, no, I think I, Monaco Brest should be the best football and Marseille yeah. Lyon should be the best sort of spectacle. But, yeah. um, I mean, I just I think in recent years, 
Marseille Lyon has probably been the the sort of most interesting and bitter rivalry in Ligue 1. I think a lot more than PSG mm. Marseille. Yeah, I seem to remember a game a couple of years years back where it was very um very very frantic and was it was it a three two or am I completely making that up? I don't know. I do, I do remember one game sort of in recent memory which now just gets jumbled into a mess of memories. I think yeah, there I was a I think there was a three two with a sort of injury time header from Depay to win it and I don't know if it was that one where there was a big fight afterwards and and Lopez got banned for hitting a steward yes yes that's yeah there you go well we probably won't see that on Sunday yes yeah yeah I think was Payet sent off in the first match this this season I can't imagine that would be the case. Surely not, Pyatt. Surely, 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 surely not. Yeah, I, I do vaguely recall him. Yeah, that was this I, season, I wasn't it? I 2020 out of my mind, so you're going to have to forgive me on that one. And 2021 will probably follow suit fairly quickly. But we'll get our, our games in where we can. Um, I, I'll t- I'll take the wooden spoon, then I'll... I'll I'll give uh, Neem Nant uh, a watch whilst I'm watching Lorient St Etienne. So I'll, I'll have the bottom end covered for next week. Uh, there's a pun in there somewhere if you choose to insert one, but um, as long as it's not into the, into my bottom end. But we'll uh, we'll certainly cover those games next week. Uh, we may have news of a Marseille coach by then as well. There's still a lot of uh, uh, talk about Sam Pauli, who, um, for those of you who don't know or haven't seen it yet, have a little look on the internet and you might see a rather amusing video of him getting rather annoyed at a, a sending off that he received for his, uh, is it Palmeiras he's managing at the moment? Certainly in the Brazilian league, but yeah, might be worth looking that one up uh, from the frying pan into the fire. But uh, we haven't got any news on that. So we'll keep you abreast of that information. Uh, but that will do us for this week. Uh, we hope you have enjoyed as ever a little bit of a bumper episode this week. We wanted to go deep into Europe. So uh, back to domestic affairs this weekend. Uh, so just remains for me to thank both Jez and Phil for their time this evening. Thank you both. Thank, thank you. you. And uh, until then, whichever game you're going to watch, just don't watch Strasbourg. It's not worth it. <laughs> until, until next week, enjoy your French football. We'll speak to you very soon.